Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Once again, welcome to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How you doing on this Wednesday? Oh, we have got a great show. I'm going to have my co-host and broadcast partner, Corey Bank. I'm going to have my former co-host from the Up All Night show, Brad Page. And we're going to have a lot of fun. This is a great time to talk about sports. I just love doing this podcast because I cover local sports in Columbus five days a week. We are broadcasted Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. The Drive at 5 on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. This podcast is also brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Christie's Cafe. On the show today, we've got the Yankees and the Astros and the ALCS three times in five years. The NBA regular season kicked off last night. I'll talk about those games and where is Christian McCaffrey going to go as he is on the trading block. Maybe the 49ers could get him. Ooh. All right. Let's talk about the ALCS because the Yankees did win over the Guardians. They were down 2-1 to one in this series. They are back in the ALCS once again to face the Houston Astros. The last two times didn't go so well as the Astros pitching just took over. This is strength on strength. You got great pitching matchups. The Phillies were able to get the victory over the Padres. In game one, thanks to a gem by Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler was dealing seven scoreless innings, eight strikeouts. All they needed was home runs from Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. And so you have two intriguing teams that are trying to get to the World Series. You have teams in the ALCS that's been there before. The Yankees have not been to the World Series since 2009, but they continue playing the Astros in the ALCS. It should be fun, all these matchups in Major League Baseball. Last night in the NBA, I sat down and I watched both games. Let's start with the 76ers and the Boston Celtics because these are two great teams, probably the two top teams in the East. James Harden had 35 points for the Sixers. The Boston Celtics get the 126-117 victory over the Sixers. And looking at the scoring for the Celtics, it wasn't just the tandem of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You had Grant Williams coming off the bench. Imagine when Robert Williams comes back from injury. This Boston Celtics team has got depth, and they included Malcolm Brogdon. He came off the bench, and he scored 16 points, and they are doing this without their head coach, Ame Udoka, who's been suspended for an entire season. Yes, the Celtics could get back to the NBA Finals, but there are a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that could challenge the Boston Celtics. I was looking at the Celtics team. I mean, they got Noah Vonley, who's been out of the league for a year. Blake Griffin coming off the bench. Marcus Smart is always a great defensive point guard. He scored 14 points. 
Derek White. They still have the main pieces that took the Warriors to the brink in the NBA Finals last season. Speaking of the Golden State Warriors, it was nice to see that new championship banner at the Chase Center and getting their championship rings. And then I sat down and I watched them take on the Los Angeles Lakers where they were able to beat the Lakers 123-109. to And my thoughts on this game was the Lakers don't have anybody else after the big three. LeBron scored 31, Anthony Davis scored 27, and Russell Westbrook scored 19. After that, if you want to talk about Kendrick Nunn, he scored 13 points, but where's the depth coming? Patrick Beverly didn't do much. You had Lonnie Walker in the starting lineup. They have a bunch of nobodies on this team, including Scottie Pippen Jr. and Max Christie. They didn't even play that much. But where are the minutes coming from? Austin Reeves, Matt Ryan, not the quarterback for the Colts, but Matt Ryan, the basketball player, he had 18 minutes. If the Lakers want to compete in the Western Conference, they have got to get more players than just the big three to step up. And that is the cost of trading all your role players that really made a difference when they were winning to get a guy like Russell Westbrook, to get a guy like Anthony Davis. And this could hurt the Lakers not having the depth after the big three. In a similar situation, the 2011 Miami Heat had the big three, and they got rid of a lot of their players. But the difference between that was veteran players wanted to play with LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. So a guy like Shane Battier, who is a huge difference maker for the Miami Heat's championship runs, he took less money to go there. Will a veteran come to the Lakers and take less money to play with the big three? I will have Corey Bank here on the show for the Daily Dash. We're going to go over some college football picks. We'll have the NFL picks tomorrow. We have Week 8 in college football and Week 7 in the National Football League. A Thursday night game, the Saints taking on the Cardinals. In college football, we have a Thursday night game, Georgia Tech taking on the Virginia Cavaliers. Can Brent Key get to 3-0 as the interim coach? A very rare Wednesday night game tonight as Georgia State is taking on Appalachian State. Thursday's show is going to be great because I'm going to have Justin Dale on. Let me tell you what's on tap next week. On Tuesday's show, I'm going to have a guy by the name of Philip Jordan. He covers sports down in Dothan, Alabama. Also has a podcast called The Radio People of Dothan and Talking SEC Podcast. I'm really excited to have him on the show. He is a talent. Anytime you network with other broadcasting talents, you got to get him on the show. And that's why I've had Antoine Prather. That's why I've had Buckets. That's why I've had Tyler Crowder. These guys have been on multiple times. Well, I'm trying to get Buckets on another time. But you have Philip Jordan. He's going to be on the show on Tuesday. I'm excited about that. I cannot wait for him to be on the show. Just a reminder, my Friday Night Lights High School Football Preview Review show will air this Friday. We have got some massive high school football games. Corey and I are going to be at Russell County for homecoming as they will take on Central of Clay up in Lineville. And then you have the brand new Otis Spencer Stadium that looks amazing. That state-of-the-art stadium will host Kendrick and Southwest on Thursday night, and then on Friday night, it will be Spencer and Northeast. 
The Carolina Panthers are looking to trade away their star running back, Christian McCaffrey. But he's not just a running back. He's a versatile wide receiver in the backfield. He is their most dynamic offensive player. They already shipped off Robbie Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals. But where would the landing spot be for McCaffrey? There's been talks about the Buffalo Bills. But how about the San Francisco 49ers? He played at Stanford. His dad is Ed McCaffrey, who played wide receiver for the Denver Broncos when Mike Shanahan was the head coach, the father of 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. Yes, the 49ers are a perfect fit, but do they have anything left to give Carolina? They already traded away a bunch of draft picks to draft Trey Lance. So I don't know if the 49ers can pull off this deal. Getting a guy like Christian McCaffrey that makes your team so much better. We are just getting started here on the show. You know, I am very close to approaching 500 episodes. As the calendar hits November, I'm also going to have some special guests because we are going to preview the upcoming season for Columbus State men and women's Cougars and Lady Cougars basketball teams in the Peach Belt Conference. I plan on having the Columbus State men's basketball coach Ron Moore and the Columbus State women's basketball coach Matt Hauser both on the show. And that is going to be an incredible show where we preview the upcoming Columbus State basketball teams. All right, we do have a lot of college football games going on this upcoming weekend. We've got a slate of games. Georgia is on a bye. Of course, Georgia Tech is playing on Thursday night. You have Georgia State playing tonight. Let's see, who else locally in the state of Georgia is also playing? Mercer on the road against Chattanooga. You got LaGrange College that is on the road as they will take on Brevard. All right. I think it's about time to bring on my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Banks. So we'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. He'll be on for the Daily Dash, and we will have our college football picks. And welcome back to the Daily Dash. And I've got my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, here to make some college football picks. And I'm excited because we have some very intriguing matchups. You thought last week was crazy. We've got some intriguing matchups that could determine rankings and possible college football playoff berths. Corey, what's going on? Love the mush, Richard. It's going to be a great outing of Pick'em today. Let's start with the most surprising team in college football right now. Syracuse taking on Clemson. Both teams are undefeated. The Syracuse Orangemen, led by head coach Dino Babers, has shocked everybody, and they go into Clemson. Clemson is a two-touchdown favorite. Syracuse is ranked 14th at 6-0. Clemson is 7-0, and they are ranked 5th. I think that the magic will end for the Syracuse Orangemen, mainly because Clemson is playing at home, and DJ Uyangale has improved as a quarterback. Clemson's got a very good defense. I see a scenario where Syracuse, their magic runs out. Corey, I know you're from, you're you're a fan of the Jets. You're a fan of New York teams. I know that you you've got some investing interest in the Syracuse Orangemen. Uh, where are you going with this pick? So with this game, Richard, 
I'm really going to go with the long lines that going into this game, the Syracuse Orangemen are going in 6-0. And so in their last contest, the Orangemen faced the North Carolina State Wolfpack, and they notched a win by a score of 24-9. Garrett Schrader connected 16-25 with 210 yards passing and two touchdowns. He had a quarterback rating, Richard, of 145 and finished the contest with two picks. But Sean Tucker loved the offense and rushing for the Orangemen with 14 carries for 98 yards. The Syracuse Orangemen ran the Rock 30 different times in the game, tallied 179 yards on six yards per attempt. That's pretty good. The Syracuse team gave up 18 pass completions on 31 tries, 160 yards per the game. And in that regard, on the battle of the line of scrimmage, the Lord, the Orangemen really got it done. They only allowed two and a half yards of carry, Richard, on 38 carries for 95 yards. But then that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that they have a lot to look forward to. But this Clemson team, they're coming in seven and now. And they are, they won the last game against Florida State, 34-28. DJ Uyagle had three touchdowns in the game, went 15 to 23 for 203 yards, 182 yards, 182 passer rating per se. The Tigers' offense finished the game with 370 yards total yards. They carried the football 44 times for 167 yards, and they gave up 24 42 yard, a 42 through the air, 57 percent through the air. 254 yards passing. So with this being said, I honestly think that if there's going to be an upset, it's going to be this week. You know how you know how you said in the last week that Clemson's team has been pretty much a bend but don't break kind of team. This Orangeman team, very underrated team. I think it's going to be their week. Wow, that's a very bold pick. Uh, we're going against the grain there. Now let's talk about Ole Miss and LSU. You know, so we have a slate of games that are all at 3.30. And this Ole Miss-LSU game is the CBS 3.30 game. LSU is favored by one and a half. LSU is five and two. Ole Miss still undefeated in the top ten. But this is a rivalry game. Ole Miss is going to Death Valley. Jalen Daniels is improving, and this LSU team at times looks good. But Ole Miss is on a mission. They know that there is a chance if they win out their games and they have Alabama to face that an SEC West berth in Atlanta could be a possibility for the Ole Miss Rebels. I think that the Ole Miss Rebels continue their hot streak led by their quarterback Jackson Dart, and they get the road victory over the LSU Tigers in Death Valley. Yeah, I mean, I really do think that you were kind of right about this one. So this Ole Miss team is coming into this game. Like you said, Richard, they're undefeated, 7-0 in the year. The Rebels faced the Tigers, the Auburn Tigers last week, and they walked away with a win of a score of 48-34. Jackson Dart connected 9-19 for 130 yards and three touchdowns he had a QBR rating of 146.4 and ended the contest with a pick now 
Quishon Judkins led the offense in rushing for the Rebels. 25 carries for 139 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. That's pretty stout as a back. They ran four, 69 plays for 448 yards, 6.5 yards per carry. I mean, they were dialing it up in that regard. They were running the football at will. And against the run, the Rebels gave 301 yards as a rushing defense. So we've seen them uh, have a lackluster performance on the, I guess, rushing attack, defending it. I mean, they weren't clogging up holes like they typically did in last week's game. So that's something that wasn't nearly as good. But the Tigers coming into this game, they are 5-2. and two, And they stepped into the last game, and they won 45-35 to 35 in their victory when they played against the Florida Gators. Jaden Daniels had three touchdowns. He ended the contest with 349 yards in the game, 23-32 through the air. 194.4 QBR rating. And Josh Williams, he carried the football 14 times for 106 yards. 7.6 yards a clip. That stat means that they have a very good rushing attack. Not only with Josh Williams, but with the capability that Jaden Daniels can pull that ball down on that RPO that we've seen him do in the year. And show that he's got a dynamic legs running the football as well. So in this one, it's going to be a very interesting contest. It's going to be a close one. But in the end of the day, Richard, I think Ole Miss is going to come up with a victory. Next game up, the UCLA Bruins will travel to Autzen Stadium to take on the Oregon Ducks. UCLA is undefeated. They're ranked ninth. The Oregon Ducks are ranked 10th. Oregon is favored by six. Oregon has rattled off six straight victories, and Bo Nix has looked great. I think that UCLA's perfect season and a chance for a Pac-12 team to make it into the college football playoff ends Saturday at Autzen Stadium, and Oregon comes up with the win over Chip Kelly's high-powered offense and the UCLA Bruins. So in this game, Richard, that's a very interesting prediction. Got to give you that one for that one. This UCLA Bruins team, 6-0 in the year. In their last game, the Bruins took on the Utah Utes and earned the victory with a score of 42-32. Zach Carbonaro led the offense in rushing 22 carries for 198 yards. That's nine yards per play. Pretty amazing. Dorian Thompson-Robinson connected on 18 of 23 with 299 yards passing and four touchdowns. That right there is impeccable. 236 QBR rating. You almost never find that. It's almost perfect. And he finished the contest with a pick. When it came to stopping the run, though, the Bruins conceded 192 yards on the ground, Richard, on 43 attempts. Four and a half yards per rush. In their pass defense, they let up three of 34 completions for 67.6%. And that right there is a pretty decent amount to the air. 
The UCLA Bruins ran the ball, though, 38 times for 203 yards. Very consistent on the ground, controlling the game. That's a lot of carries. But the thing is, they averaged five yards per carry, and that just shows that they were able to aid it. But now on the Ducks' side, they're coming to this match at 5-1. and one. And when they last stepped on the gridiron, they played the Arizona Wildcats. They won 49-22. Bo Nix walked away with 265 yards on 20-25 through the air. His QB rating was 169. He did not throw any interceptions. And Noah Whittington carried the football six times for 92 yards. 15.3 yards a carry. That is astounding. That's not something that you see all the time. I'd like to give the ball to a guy that every single time you give him the ball, it's a first down rush. Wow. The Oregon team ran for seven and a half yards for carry in the game. 41. So a run-heavy offense that was aiding Bo Nix. 580 yards of total yards of offense. The Ducks team gave up 241 yards to the air on 24-42 passing. But this Oregon team gave up also 115 yards to the ground. But with the high-powered offense, I do agree with you. And I think the Oregon Ducks are going to take down this UCLA Bruin team. All right. And the next game is the Texas Longhorns taking on the Oklahoma State Cowboys at Boone T. Pickens Stadium. Now, Texas has got two losses, but one of those losses, Quinn Ewers, was not in at quarterback, and the other loss was a 20-19 loss to Alabama. I think with Quinn Ewers as the quarterback and Bajon Robertson, one of the best – Bajon Robinson, one of the best running backs in the country, this Texas Longhorns team is a very – good football team i think they are a top 10 team the record does not indicate how great texas is and i think they get the road of victory over the oklahoma state cowboys which at first when they were undefeated and they were in the top 10 i said that they were a dark horse to reach the college football playoff after losing to tcu last week i think that they will drop their second game in a row and texas comes up with the road victory over the Cowboys. Very interesting prediction, Richard. Wow. Texas. I mean, they're just a different team with Quinn Ewers, a quarterback, that I will say that. And it's pretty simple. Why is that the case? Ewers has the arm talent to make any throw on the field, Richard. His presence alone stretches the field vertically. And with weapons like Xavier Worthy, Bajan Robinson, Jatavian, Sanders and Roshan Johnson, the Texas offense is formidable, and it has four stars. That's not something you see every day. He's got the weapons. 67.7% of his passes for 820 yards and nine touchdowns. Now, a guy you got to look at is linebacker Jalen Ford. I mean, Texas leading tackler for 2022, he has 66 total stops. 37 of them of which are solo tackles. And this is good for being the 13th nationally ranked linebacker in the game. Ford has made an impact in other ways as well. Last week, Ford jumped into a passing lane and picked off Hunter Deckers in the edge zone during the second quarter to preserve an early lead 
for Texas. He also has one forced fumble and a recovery on the year. It has one PBU. The junior linebacker is making a difference in any way he can for Texas, and that will need to continue to go on for Saturday. Now on Oklahoma side, state side, you got Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders is currently the focus of speculation as the senior quarterback seems to be dealing with a shoulder injury that's been nagging him last week prior to Saturday's game against TCU. It is imperative that he is a close to 100% as possible when Texas comes to town because the Longhorns, Richard, can score points in bunches. Last week, Sanders completed 16 of 36 for 245 yards with one touchdown and one interception. He added 68 yards rushing and two scores of his own on the ground. But he will need to be more efficient through the air against University of Texas. Now, a guy that's going to be a game-breaker for them as well is defensive end Brock Martin. Oklahoma State senior defensive end Brock Martin leads the Cowboys in sacks this year with four of the year. But he has also made impact in other areas. Martin is ninth in the team in tackles. He forced a fumble and is one of the emotional leaders of this team, Richard. Martin will match up with Texas inexperienced tacklers. And while they are young, they are also extremely talented. Martin will need to make his presence known early and often to keep Ewers and the Texas offense off schedule. So with this being said, I do personally think that it's going to be the Oklahoma State defense that's going to pull this out, and they will actually beat Texas. All right, Corey, as always, thank you for joining us on the Daily Dash for some college football picks. Should be a fun and exciting Saturday. That's slate of 3.30 games. You got Oregon, UCLA, Oklahoma, Texas, and Ole Miss and LSU. That's one of those you'd be flipping through the TV or, you know, you got multiple devices up watching those games because that is just compelling that you got three big games all at the same time. It really is. You don't normally see... This many high-powered games, especially in October. We're still in October, and these kind of games are being played. These are kind of games that don't usually happen until, what, December, January, and a lot of part of November. All right. We'll be back with Brad Page. You don't want to go anywhere. Stay tuned. Brad and I are going to talk about that Tennessee-Alabama game, and and it'll be fun. All right. We'll be back with Brad. Welcome back to the show. And on the show, I've got my former co-host of the Up All Night Show and lifelong Tennessee Volunteers fan, Brad Page. Brad, I got to ask you, did you see Rocky Top all night? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I attempted to, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I was seeing Rocky Top. Uh, I don't know about all night, but man, uh, honestly, that night, I... It, it was just hard to go to sleep. I mean, you know, I've, I've probably just stayed up most of the night anyway, just uh, really just feeling really happy and uh, excited, uh, you know, about about the win uh, that uh, we've been waiting uh, six, 15 years for, and uh, it finally happened. And uh, it was such a great night. 
Brad, I was excited. You know, I watched that game from start to finish. I didn't even bother watching the Georgia game. That was also on 3.30. That was also on 3.30, but that game was the best game I've ever witnessed. It, it was a great game. Back and forth contest between Alabama and Tennessee. And, you know, Alabama did come to play. Tennessee did jump out to that 28-10 lead, but they had a healthy Bryce Young. Bryce Young looked amazing. It was a back-and-forth duel between Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. It was just pretty incredible. Yeah, um, and like when they did jump to that 28-10 lead, I knew this game was not over. You know, nothing is safe with Alabama. You know, um, I mean, even though I knew we had a big lead, it was such a long game to go. And uh, big props to Bryce Young, I mean, playing an incredible game, you know, through his injury. And, uh, and Alabama did definitely come to play. I mean, they, they matched toe-to-toe with Tennessee with their offense and everything. And it was definitely one of the best games ever, I mean, for sure. One of the best games. And Tennessee is now fourth in the rankings. Alabama drops to number six. Is there a chance that these two teams could meet again in the SEC championship? It's very possible. I mean, you know, Tennessee needs to take care of the rest of their schedule. Uh, this Saturday, uh, they got UT Martin, which they should be able to handle them. But, you you know, about these smaller teams, uh, <laughs> you know, like Appalachian State or or somebody like that, you never know what can happen. But uh, I think Tennessee will handle UT Martin very well, hopefully uh, dominate that game and be very uh, – be, be healthy, you know, get a lot of the better second and third starters in. But uh, definitely they can go down to Georgia – uh, Athens to really play a, a really great game. They got a great chance of beating Georgia, but I really do believe Georgia has a better defense than Alabama. I think, uh, you know, Georgia will really uh, play Tennessee very tough, but if they can get by Georgia um, and being South Carolina, Kentucky, and Bandy, yes. I mean, they, uh, they can beat Alabama once again uh, in, in the SEC championship. Uh, and even if they, if they lose the SEC championship, they may still be able to get in the playoffs. You never know what can happen, you know, um, you know, what, you know, you know, how, how the same words and everything. Brad, were you one of those fans that stormed Neyland stadium and helped take the goalpost out and now it's floating somewhere in the Tennessee river? (laughs) No, I wasn't man, but yeah, I would have loved to been there. I mean, for sure. I mean, I would have loved just to been on that field uh, knowing through all the heartache that we've been just, uh, dominated by Alabama over the years. You know, it's every time Tennessee and Alabama played, Alabama always beat us by 30, 40 points. And and to finally get that win, I mean, it just felt great. And I, I couldn't help everybody, you know, the great excitement that everybody had, you know, coming on the field and uh, taking down the field goal post. They did the same thing when Tennessee beat Florida in 1998 in that overtime win after everybody having beaten Florida and so on. So, um, <laughs> no, no telling where that goalpost is now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I do believe that uh, the uh, fans and everybody's going to still help pay for the cost that they need to to get the goalpost and everything back in order to, uh, you know, to get to be playing there again and, and everything. But it was such an incredible scene uh, after the game, definitely. Yes, I believe there is a GoFundMe page to help pay for that goal post. And it is floating somewhere in the Tennessee River. What an incredible 
moment. Tennessee is 6-0 and for the first time since 1998. Josh Heupel is clearly the right guy. Tennessee just looked incredible on offense. But I got to ask you, what was going through your mind after the scoop and score by Dallas Turney? Because at that moment, all the momentum flipped to Alabama, and it seemed like I didn't think Tennessee was going to pull this game out. I didn't think Tennessee was going to get the ball back. Hang on. I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, yeah, like when they did tie it up, uh, I believe I was 49 to 49 when that happened. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the momentum dropped and everybody was kind of shocked, like, okay, here we go again. Alabama's going to find a way to win. Uh, but eventually Alabama drove down uh, and uh, I believe a uh, rocker uh, tried to that 50-yard field goal and missed it to the left. And uh, Alabama, Alabama's been doing with kicking, uh, uh, kicking field goals, you know, uh, off and on. And, uh, you know, it happened again. And uh, Tennessee had enough time, you know, fortunately had enough time, about 15 seconds to drive down. Uh, Hinton Hooker just made an incredible drive, you know, uh, eventually finding Drew McCoy uh, to get into field goal range. And uh, Chase McGrath just, kicked that field goal and uh, somehow, you know, it just went to the goalpost and, and Rocky Top, you know, was just going crazy and everything. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was just an incredible, uh, incredible sequence of all how, how that all went down. How about Jalen Hyatt with five receiving touchdowns? Uh, they didn't even have their top wide receiver, didn't they? Cedric Tillman, he was still. Oh out no, he's injury. he's still out, and uh, I don't know if he's going to be ready for Martin or, um, you know, or you know, we're basically saving him for Georgia. But no, I mean Hyatt just had the best game of his career. I mean for sure, you know, like you said, uh, five touchdowns, about two hundred yards. Uh, he was incredible, um, and um, you know, f- fortunately, uh, Tennessee was able to get. Uh, you know, you know, that many scores. Hendon Hooker had an incredible game. He had five touchdowns for uh, 385 yards. You know, uh, definitely placing him in that list for Heisman, uh, I believe. You know, he's he's definitely got his name up there. And we'll just see how he can uh, continue, hopefully, to get better and better. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the wide receivers for Tennessee is just something else because if you cover Hyatt, you know, Brie McCoy's going to be open, you know, and then you got to deal with Ramel Keaton. You know, they got a great wide receiving core. And when they get Tillman back, it's definitely the best wide receiving core in the country. And, uh, you know, that's that that's what teams have to watch out for when they play them. You know, that's how defenses have to prepare uh, for them and everything. But, uh, yeah, just, just an incredible uh, uh, game by uh, Hyatt for sure. One of the reasons why I would consider this one of the greatest games of all time, if you look at the scoreboard, 52 to 49 is the most points that Alabama has surrendered since 1907. You look at the win probability according to ESPN.com, and it looks like a Richter scale. Alabama at one time had an 82% chance to win. One time Tennessee had an 84% chance to win early on in the game, and it was just a game that went back and forth and Alabama clawed their back, clawed their way back down twenty-eight to ten. They score eighteen unanswered to tie it up, and then that's when the fun happened. That's when Tennessee grabbed the lead. Then Alabama would grab the lead. Just an yeah. incredible game. 
I actually yes. thought there was a, a chance that when Reichert missed that field goal, I thought that maybe it could go to overtime. But mm-hmm. did you think with 16 seconds left to go that Hendon Hooker could possibly pull this off and get Tennessee into field goal range? I knew we had a chance. I mean, I knew we had that much time, you know, to, 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 to possibly drive down. And I'm glad Hopple didn't just take a knee, let's play for overtime. He knew he wanted to get this win. He knew he wanted to do whatever it took. Uh, definitely, you know, the best chance to get this win and everything. And I, I appreciate the aggress- the aggressiveness of, of Hopple. Go ahead. You know, let's, let's drive down the field. Let's, you know, let's see if we can get that field goal. And, uh, and uh, you know, fortunately it happened. Oh, it paid off. Josh Hypel was aggressive. They went for it on fourth down several times as they know how great Alabama is. They wanted to put their foot on the gas pedal and they were able to get an incredible win. First time that they have beaten Alabama since 2006. First time that they have beaten Nick Saban. This is one of those wins. I know that when I had you on the show before, we talked about Tennessee being back. I do feel they're back. Now I feel they are a legitimate college football playoff contender. And that Tennessee-Georgia game in a couple of weeks could be a de facto college football semifinal game, as well as Michigan State and Ohio State, as well as Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, you have Tennessee right now ranked number four. How incredible is that? No, I mean, in my lifetime, it's been very few times I've seen Tennessee ranked this time, this high. Yeah, I believe in uh, 2005, they were a number three preseason, uh, you know, ranking and to, you know, to be, you know, to be four. And um, I think some polls had them as three as well. And uh, it's just, you know, incredible how fast it's happened. You know, like a couple of years ago, you you never thought Tennessee would be this highly ranked. You know, I mean, especially with the, you know, the awful seasons they had just a few years ago. You know, like especially getting beat by Georgia, Georgia Southern, and uh, you know, and been just dominated by Georgia and Alabama, and you know, and a lot of SEC teams. And now they finally found their right guy. They finally got the right system. And they're finally, like you said, they're back. And when when all the media mentions the uh, college football, you know, it's not always about Alabama. It's not always about Georgia. Now you can include Tennessee, you know, and also Michigan and USC, Clemson. Tennessee is now in that in that list. You know, it's they're now in that conversation finally. And you know, for all Tennessee fans who have waited so long, you know, I mean, it definitely feels great. And uh, and hopefully, you know, they can continue, you know, to do this. Is there a scenario, let's say Tennessee loses to Georgia and they finish the year with one loss. Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game. And you got a bunch of one other one-loss teams. So Alabama's got one loss, Georgia's got one loss, and Tennessee has got one loss. You see a scenario where three SEC teams can make the can make the college football playoff? I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, the SEC is the toughest conference, I believe. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, c- compared to the other schedules that you look at, you know, depending on the one-loss teams, um, yeah, they they definitely can be in that that final four. You know, even if they don't win the SEC championship, they can somehow get there. Um, 
And yeah, it's very possible. All right, Brad, a lot of emotions going on with Tennessee. And I, I actually think what they have done is absolutely incredible, but they're still maybe a couple of years away. Remember Josh Heupel is, he is coaching. Sorry, a car just went by. He is coaching with Jeremy Pruitt's players. Josh Heupel doesn't have all of his players in the system yet. And I believe they have one of the top ranked quarterbacks that's coming in, in the recruiting class for 2023. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Tennessee's going to be fine. That's right. That's right. And you are right. Yeah. But you know, he does still have a few of uh, Pruitt's players. Um, the thing that concerns me about Tennessee definitely is their defense. I mean, giving up 500 yards per game, I just don't know how long they can keep doing it. I mean, I know if you score 50 or so, you know, you're more likely to win. But some defense is going to figure out Tennessee, whether it be Georgia or whether it be Alabama or whoever. And, and that's the thing that scares me because, uh, you know, Somebody's going to have great corners and safeties to shut down Hyatt, to shut down, you know, uh, Tillman or Keaton or whoever, you know. And Tennessee's going to rely on their running game like they have in years past. And um, and, and, and that's another thing. I mean, the, their running game hasn't gotten a lot of yards as much as their passing yards ha- has been. And and that's the thing, you know, that, that concerns me about them going forward. I mean, I know they can score a lot of points, but – defensively is it's definitely their question all right brad so we talked about tennessee and how they had an incredible season they have beaten four ranked teams this year i know that they weren't preseason in they i know they weren't in the top 25 when it came to the preseason polls and that's probably why they're number four but does tennessee deserve the number one ranking in the ap poll I honestly don't think so because of their defense. Um, but, I mean, honestly, I'm fine with, you know, where we're at. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a very fair ranking because Georgia has an incredible team. They really, really do, you know. Um, I mean, I believe they got a better defense than Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just because since they beat Alabama – I don't know if you can just put them right, right there at number one right away. Uh, but eventually they can get there, you know, somehow. Um, but um, I think I think they're fine where they are right now. Um, I got Smokey in the background uh, barking. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Brad, I really am excited for you. Uh, remember, I, I, I did grew up. I mean, I, I didn't grow up a college mm-hmm. football fan. Uh, I love Tennessee. Um, just not when they're playing Georgia. Sorry. <laughs> but, hey, uh, I mean, it's understandable. Yeah, Tennessee's great though. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, finally they are. You know, finally they can compete with Georgia. Finally they can compete with Alabama or whoever and just make it a great game. You know, no, it's not going to just be a one side blowout. You know, I mean, Tennessee is definitely one of the best teams in the SEC now, and hopefully they, hopefully, you know, they can stay that way. <clears throat> okay, Brad. I've just tested this out. I want to see right. how the sound is if I'm driving. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to pull over right over here. All right. 
One final question. I'm gonna go ahead and close this bad boy out. Okay, yeah, yeah, man. All right, that game against Kentucky, if Will Levis and Rodriguez are playing and they're healthy, do you see that game as a possible trap game before the Georgia game? No, no. Tennessee has had Kentucky. Tennessee is just flat out better. They could beat them. (laughs) Well, the thing is, I mean, Tennessee and Kentucky is also a big rivalry as well. I mean, it's not as big as Alabama, but, you know, that, that border rivalry, I mean, they, they knew Kentucky was good going into this season, and Kentucky had a lot of hype going into this season, and and they had circled Kentucky on their schedule, and, and, and they will be ready. That place is going to be rocking um, at, at Neyland. It's going to be like a 6 o'clock kickoff um, on the 29th, close to Halloween, you know. Uh, so, I mean, t- Tennessee is going to be ready for Kentucky. They, they will be ready for Kentucky. Um, but again, I, I'm not really to believe they're going to play their best that they can against Georgia, uh, South Carolina, you know, going down to South Carolina, um, you never know what can happen down there, but I do think they will take care of them as well. But, but Kentucky, they will be ready for them for sure. All right. And I can't believe they've already, uh, opened the line. Tennessee at Georgia. Georgia is favored by 10 and a half. I can't believe they've already created a line. They don't even have a time for this game yet. They already got a line. No, out. no. <laughs> I mean, it's only two weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But, but that line's going to go up and down, you know. And, uh, yeah. Is this going to be the 3.30 CBS game, or is this the one where CBS is going to put this in prime time? I think it's going to be a 3.30 CBS game, and I think game day is going to be there as well. You know, oh, I, CBS yeah. gets – doesn't yeah. CBS get another prime time? Like, they normally have LSU and Alabama in prime time, but right. I think if they're going to have a doubleheader. That LSU-Alabama game needs to be the 3.30 game, and Tennessee and Georgia needs to be the primetime game at 8 o'clock. That's fine with me. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, you know, I could definitely see that happen. They haven't played Georgia a lot at night. I know. Uh, I did go see uh, Tennessee and Georgia play, I think, back in 2012. I mean, Georgia beat them by 10 or 13. They had Aaron Murray then, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, uh, but it was there in England. Uh, when Tennessee still had Tyler Gray, you know, and uh, uh, I think we still had Butch Jones at that time, but still. Um, yeah, um, I'll be fine. I mean, I think it, it's going to be a great game no matter what, if it is at, uh, you know, 3.30 or, 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 or rocking at night and everything. Well, what about that game last night, man? Um, you know, with the, the Bills and Chiefs going at it. Oh, I mean, wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, you think of Alabama, Tennessee going back and forth, back and forth. I think, you know, you, again, you're probably going to see AFC Championship with these two teams and everything. But, uh, I mean, that, that was an incredible game as well. You know? Yeah, it, it did start yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But it, it did live up to the hype. Toward That's the right. Oh, I agree. That was a great yeah, game. Yeah, it did. It did. I know your Titans were on a bye. Yeah. You know, we can't really talk about them. Uh, but, hey, you got the Memphis Grizzlies. They play the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do start off They do start off with the Knicks uh, Wednesday. You know, we're looking forward to bouncing back again. Hopefully hopefully they can get to the, you know, at least the Western Conference Finals or maybe, you know, further. I mean, it's very, very possible. Um, 
but yeah, um, NBA is right around the corner. I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's always a exciting time. I and mean, then you got you got you know the baseball playoffs, you know, uh, you know, and f- full swing and everything. And uh, it's definitely an awesome sports time right now. Yeah. Brad, as always, thank you so much for joining the show. Rock, go, go, Vols, Rocky Top. Keep singing Rocky Top all night long. You have earned it. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for Vols Nation. I'm happy for the Tennessee fan base. And who knows? I might even uh, start wearing orange. You never know. That would be awesome. I love to see you in orange. And thank you again, Richard. I'm always uh, honored to be on here. And yeah, it's such a side time for Tennessee, the whole state of Tennessee. It's very, very happy right now. And uh, we're just very blessed and everything. And uh, and thank you again for letting me uh, be on here and everything. Anytime. That was my former co-host from the Up All Night Show, Brad Page, lifelong Tennessee Volunteers fan, and is repping Vols Nation like crazy after that huge win against Alabama. Tennessee is just loving life, their best start in over 20 years. But I keep joking around. The last time that Tennessee was this good, we were at Freed Harmon. Yep, and I was still repping then, and people thought I was crazy. But, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it feels great, man. I'm telling you. I mean, it feels it feels great to to finally be back in the spotlight and if I only get respect, you know, I mean, for for so long, and it's just a great time. Well, you can definitely gloat. You could rub it into your Alabama <laughs> fans, but not too much because Bama is still great. Yeah, Bama is still Bama. I mean, they're not going away yet, you know, at all. But um, it, it's just nice to know that we can finally compete with them, you know, and it can be anybody's game, Tennessee or Alabama now, not, you know, not just Alabama. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a good time. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the podcast. Don't forget that you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can download this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.